We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. The Uncontested Podcast presents Under the Bubble, a special podcast series previewing all 22 teams returning to play at Disney World. We're talking to podcasters, writers, and bloggers who cover these teams to get you all caught up before the NBA is back in action on July 31st. Tune in every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, for the latest episode in the series. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of boomtownhoops.com. Welcome to the final episode of Under the Bubble. Over the past month and a half, really, we've been catching you guys up on all the teams down in Orlando, Eastern Conference and Western Conference. And we wrap that up today with two teams. First off, you guys will get to listen to my conversation with Trevor Lane of the Lakers Nation podcast. And he does the NBA front office show with Keith Smith. Trevor is an awesome guy who covers, obviously, the Los Angeles Lakers. Trevor and I had a great conversation for about 20 minutes. And then the one team in the bubble we haven't talked about yet, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Taylor, Justin, and I hopped on to record about 30 minutes worth of OKC Thunder talk after all of the Thunder scrimmages. And to give you a glimpse of what we expect from the Thunder under the bubble, catch you up on everything as if you guys aren't already all caught up. But without further ado, let's patch you over to my conversation with Trevor. And then right after that, you will get the audio of Justin, Taylor, and myself 
We recorded this on the evening of July 28th, right after the Thunder beat the Portland Trailblazers for their third and final scrimmage. All right, we are now joined by Trevor Lane to talk all things Los Angeles Lakers basketball. Uh, Trevor is with the Lakers Nation. He hosts the Lakers Nation podcast. He does a lot of stuff for them on YouTube. And he is the co-host of the Front Office Show podcast with former uncontested guest uh, Keith Smith, uh, maybe the orchestrator of the bubble, Keith Smith. And most importantly, Trevor is a card-holding member of Waiters Island. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us, man. That's right. I am a. I'm definitely fully in on on Waiters Island at this point. But um, but I'm sure we're gonna dive into that. Thanks thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, dude, we're so excited. And I mean, I question people, NBA fans, who are not currently buying stock on Waiters Island. I've had a mansion there for a while now. The view is great. Uh, I mean, it, there's no place better on planet Earth. I bet there's no COVID on Waiters Island either. So. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful place. Well, Trevor, let's start off looking at where the Lakers have been. So they finished the season 49-14 and 14 before we went on hiatus. Uh, obviously good for first in the West, five and a half games ahead of the Clippers. And they had won eight of their last 10 before we went into the pause of the season. For our listeners who maybe don't watch a whole lot of Lakers basketball, can you just kind of talk about where they were and kind of how they were trending there right before March 11th? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of just on the basketball courts, purely talking about basketball, they uh, everything has pretty much gone right this season. After you know years, five, six years of just about everything that could go wrong, going wrong uh, for the Lakers, they they got things on track. I, I wasn't anticipating them to be this good this fast, but their chemistry clicked from day one. These guys get along; they're on the same page. They all know their roles. And it makes such a big difference out out there on the court. They're friends off the floor, and that just seems to matter. The chemistry on this team is real. Their defensive rotations have been fantastic. Their offense has been good enough, thanks in large part to to LeBron James. And uh, and yeah, this, this team was rolling right before things shut down. You know, they had just beaten the Clippers. They had just beaten the Bucks, who were considered you know the top two other teams that'll be contending for the NBA championship. And uh, and things were looking good. And then of course, you know, the the court gets kicked out of the wall and. Hiatus kicks in, and now we're kind of hoping that they can refine that chemistry that they that they had. Definitely. So speaking of that chemistry and everyone kind of knowing their role, we have some players for the Lakers that are not down in the bubble uh, or made it to the bubble and are out now. Uh, I don't know if they're out, but injured. Can you give our listeners a quick summary of who you expect to play, or maybe it's easier, who you don't expect to play down in the bubble? We obviously know Avery Bradley stayed behind, uh, but some other players that maybe didn't make the trip. Yeah, so Avery Bradley is definitely out. Everybody else made the made the trip out there, but Rajon Rondo broke his thumb. Uh, I think he was it was the second day of practice, I believe, there in Orlando, and he's had hand issues in the past, but so he's out for a while. We're hearing probably until the second round of the playoffs would be the earliest that he can maybe come back. So they'll be without Rondo for a little bit, and that's where a guy like Deion Waiters maybe can pick up some of the slack they're handling the ball. Alex Caruso, Quinn Cook, some of those players will have to step up for the Lakers' second unit. But uh, but other than that, they've got everybody there. They even have their um, their two-way players are there. They've got uh, they've got Devontae Kaycock there. They've got Kostas Antetokounmpo, uh, Taylor, Horn, uh, Taylor Horton-Tucker, who didn't see very many minutes in the regular season. The Lakers' rookie, he's there too. So other than those two, they uh, they have a, a full squad, and of course they brought in J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters to help fill those roles for the guys that they lost. Beautiful. So 
not not to jump too far ahead here, but with Avery Bradley, who was a, a pretty key part to this team, uh, now Rajon Rondo, who maybe wasn't as big of a role player for this team, with both of those guys out, who do you see kind of soaking up those minutes? Would, would that be Dion? Do you think KCP sees more of a uh, an enhanced role? Uh, everyone wants it to be Alex Caruso, obviously. Uh, everyone loves the Caruso. Uh, so who do you see t- stepping up and taking the place, that, that, that significant role that Avery Bradley was filling on that team? Well, it seems pretty locked that it's going to be Contavious Caldwell-Pope taking over at the starting two-guard spot. That's what the Lakers did during the season when uh, when Bradley was hurt for a little bit is they went to KCP, and that's what Frank Vogel has done so far in the bubble in Orlando, and that's what he said the plan is. So we're just going to assume that's, that's locked in. KCP will be the starting two-guard, so he probably sees an uptick in minutes out there. But you're right, Alex Caruso as well, he's going to be a guy that's going to need to step it up. And what's interesting with him is that he really kind of has to fill two roles now because in terms of defensive, defensively, he is probably the closest to Avery Bradley on the team in terms of just defensive ability. He's a guy who can play solid positional defense. He's not quite as much of a pest as Bradley is, but in terms of perimeter defense, he is he's very, very good, and he rates out about just as high as, uh, as Bradley does. But they also need a ball handler in the second unit too. So you can't exclusively use Caruso as this off-ball defender. You also need him to kind of run the show in the offense. And that's where we're seeing Frank Vogel in order to maybe save Caruso a little bit. He's experimented also with Quinn Cook running things in the second unit, as well as as our guy Dion Waiters too. So I, I think you're going to see somebody's going to emerge as the guy. But I think right now, the only thing we know for sure is that KCP is going to be the starter. And then from there, who absorbs the minutes? It's all going to come down to who meshes the best with the rest of that second unit and kind of how the rotations look. And that's that's exactly what Frank Vogel is trying to figure out right now. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, well, before we move on to really diving in more into the bubble, will you give us a maybe a handful of season highlights? Whenever people tune in to game one of the seeding games of the Lakers and the, the highlight reel plays before they announce the teams or whatever, what are four, five, six moments, uh, games, et cetera, that are going to be on that highlight reel from this season? Um, from this season, I mean, you can go to, I believe it was their third or fourth game of the season. They were playing the Dallas Mavericks, and Danny Green hit a buzzer-beating three to tie things up. Then they go win in overtime. That was kind of our our first sign that this Lakers team has chemistry, that they can gel, that they can run a fairly complex play on the offensive end and get an open look. Uh, the game against, against OKC, actually, when they didn't have LeBron and didn't have Anthony Davis, I think was a... Uh, was a, a big gelling point for the team because they managed to rally around the role players and still pick up a win against a, a good OKC team. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure Kuzma scored like 50 points that game. Yeah, he was he nuts. Went and nuts. He's, he's been a he's been a roller coaster this season. He's had great games and he's also had had really bad games. That game that game he was great. Uh, and then of course the wins over the Bucks and the Clippers. You got to look at those because those were probably the top two teams that they played all season and they picked up some big wins there. But then, you know, I think the other thing, and this isn't necessarily on the basketball court, the other thing we have to look at is is the passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, they, the Lakers have been finishing their practices uh, as, the, as a team, and they say one, two, three, Mamba. It, it seems like this is becoming kind of a win it for Kobe type thing. Uh, and we know how, how close the team is the team had to come together. They had to kind of circle the wagons when Kobe passed because it did hit all of them so hard. And so that was, that was a major moment. And then when LeBron spoke to the Staples center crowd, uh, the first game back after, after the the helicopter crash, 
that was, I think, a big emotional point for the season two to, to look at, that that's something else that this team has dealt with and struggled through and and fought through as as a unit. So I think that's that's important to note. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump down into the bubble now. Uh, as you mentioned, the pretty much the whole team made the trip. Rajon Rondo breaks. Did you say it's his thumb? Is it his thumb or his hand? Yeah, he broke his thumb. His thumb. Okay, so he breaks his thumb. He's out. Um, they have played a couple of scrimmages, and we have games starting uh, on, basically in a week now. Lakers schedule, they have Clippers, Raptors, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Pacers, Nuggets, and Kings. Um, how do you see them faring in those eight seeding games? Do you think they're going to be going hard in all eight of those? Or since they basically have the one seed wrapped up, are, are they going to gonna coast a little bit? I think there'll be, there'll be a little bit of coasting, but it seems like Frank Vogel wants to settle in on his rotations as quickly as he can and try to ramp things up as fast as possible because I think he wants to hit playoff time at a, at a high level. And eight games that you're really going to play is not a lot of time when you figure you know chemistry issues are going to be in there. And that's what we've seen so far. We've seen some defensive miscues. We've seen some turnovers in the offensive end that are pretty uncharacteristic of them. But that's, that's what happens when you don't play basketball for four months. Um, so it does feel like they are ramping things up a little bit quicker than I would have expected. But I also think that there is going to be a little bit of, of caution that if there is any question, if there is a guy who's showing fatigue or anything, they'll probably pull, especially if it's LeBron or Anthony Davis, um, they'll pull him off the floor. Like Anthony Davis got poked in the eye against the, the Orlando Magic. He was probably okay. If it was a playoff game, I'm sure he would have played, but they, they didn't bother putting him back on the floor. They just pulled him. So I think they will be cautious, but at the same time, push about as hard as they can in order to ramp things up. So I know that's kind of both answers in, in <laughs> one there, but um, but that's just the way I see, see them approaching it. Good. Um, if you had to make a guess right now on their record during the seeding games, what would you say? I mean, that's they have a really tough schedule. That's yeah, a, just, that's a I, this was run. the first time I've pulled it up and really looked at the Lakers schedule. And yeah, they got some tough teams on here. So, I mean, they you've removed all the, and the Lakers schedule down the stretch wasn't going to be all that difficult, but you've removed the easier wins against mm -hmm. the lower level teams. And so now you just have these tough teams left. Um, I could see them going, say, four and four, just because I don't think they're going to push the pedal all the way down to the metal. Um, so four and four, I'd be I'd be fine with that. It's more about knocking off the rust. They're pretty secure in that number one seed in the Western Conference. They can tinker with lineups. They can play around with stuff a little bit. So I, I think that's pretty reasonable, especially considering their opponents. So we know that in the West, there's a good chance we're going to get that play-in tournament for the eighth seed. Is there a team that you think the Lakers do not want to see get that eighth spot? Yeah, you know, Danny Green mentioned it the other day. He said, and he named the Blazers. He said, and normally teams don't do that, right? They don't, yeah. they just say, you know, we'll play whoever or whatever. Danny Green said uh, something to the effect of, you know, that they, they're confident against anybody, but they'd probably prefer not to see the play. You know, a healthy Blazers team has Zach Collins out there, Yusuf Nurkic. They've got the size to kind of match up more with the Lakers now than they did during the regular season. So, we know the Blazers would be a, a threat out there. Uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans obviously have a lot of talent and they're young. They can fly up and down the floor. Uh, they can catch you on any given night. I think, I think the Lakers would be fairly pleased to, to see things stay as is and get the Memphis Grizzlies in round one over getting, say, the Pelicans or the Blazers or one of those squads. Yeah, I figured so. I, personally, I'm cheering for the Pelicans matchup just for the storyline. 
Oh, sure. right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people would say they're cheering for the Thunder, the team I cover, to match up with the Rockets for the storylines. Yes. Um, but, but I do think that would be fun, even though it would take a little bit out of it that there's no fans. You wouldn't be able to hear the, the banter back and forth whenever they travel to each other's you know, home, home stadiums or whatever. So um, we, we've touched on some players. Uh, obviously, I know LeBron's going to be great down there. We know Anthony Davis is going to be great down there. But who are some players that maybe some fans need to keep an eye on that could maybe have a breakout down in the bubble? You've mentioned Alex Caruso. We've mentioned Dion Waiters. Um, so, so those guys are somebody else who you think has a chance to really make a name for themselves down in Orlando right now. Well, the Lakers have gone by the mantra of they don't really have a third best player. Jared Dudley said it was Kyle Kuzma, but but Frank Vogel has mentioned, you know, we don't have like a third guy. Our third guy is whoever the open man is, and that's kind of been their philosophy. We're going to hit the open man and, and take the open shot. But uh, but I do think that, that Dudley is right, that Kyle Kuzma needs to kind of be that third guy. That's what we kind of expected of him coming into the season was that he would be that scorer off the bench and it hasn't exactly worked out that way he's played really well when playing alongside LeBron not quite as well when Anthony Davis is thrown into the mix but uh, Frank Vogel has been raving about Kuzma said he's been dominant through certain phases of their training camps and we kind of saw that a little bit in this last game against the Magic he was 77% from the field the game before that though he was 31% so if he can be consistent his ceiling is pretty high and he could lift up the Lakers quite a bit. They could be a much, much better team if you can get some consistency out of Kyle Kuzma. But like you mentioned, uh, Alex Caruso is another one who's going to have to take on a bigger role because of Rondo being out, because of Avery Bradley being out, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, that's another one who's going to have to step up. All these guys are going to have to pick up their games because it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that their defense is going to slip a little bit at least. You can't lose a defender as good as Avery Bradley and not take a little bit of a step back. So that means other players on the team are going to have to step up and their offensive efficiency are going to get better. So are going to have to get better. So the guys I'm really keeping an eye on are, are Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, and then, and then of course, Deion Waiters. If he can continue to provide that scoring punch off the bench, that would be, that would be a nice boost for the Lakers. You're speaking my love language, man. <laughs> Those Deion Waiters step backs, can't beat them. Can't beat them. Um, okay, so we talked about Kuzma for a second there. I want to dive into this, and maybe this is getting us a little off topic from the bubble, but I'm, I'm curious. I've always thought that it was strange to me when the reporting came out that the Lakers refused to put Kuzma in the Anthony Davis deal, that he was really the untouchable out of like Kuzma, Hart, Zoe, and Ingram. Um, in hindsight now, do you think that the Lakers should have tried to hold on to one of those other guys and let Kuzma go? Or do you still think Kuzma maybe has the highest ceiling out of those young Lakers that got dealt? Uh, no, no. I mean, I think, I think it's fairly obvious and I, and I like Kyle Kuzma, but if you could have kept Lonzo ball, if you could have kept Brandon Ingram, of course. Yeah. I would, I mean, definitely keep, keep one of those guys because I think they would, they had, I think their ceilings are, are higher than what we've seen from, Kuzma so far but I also I don't think the Lakers had the choice there it wasn't you know the Pelicans weren't going to go to the Lakers and say okay you know we want all of your young guys but you get to keep one and we're going to let you guys pick whichever one you want and, and we'll give you Anthony Davis no I mean look the this getting out that hey the Lakers really wanted to keep Kyle Kuzma that's that's like when we go into the NBA draft 
and De'Aaron Fox gets drafted, what, number five, and the Kings say, well, this is the guy we would have taken number one. Every team says that about, about their guy because they want their guy to, to feel good and feel valued yeah. and, and all of that. So I, th- I don't think the Lakers really had a choice there. Um, did they fight to keep Kuzma? I'm sure. I'm sure the Pelicans would have preferred Kuzma be in the deal too. Yeah, um, it was it but, was a keep Kuzma or, or keep nothing type of thing. Right. Yeah, I don't think keeping Ingram or keeping Lonzo was a was a realistic option. And if I was the Pelicans, there's no way I would have made that an option for the Lakers to keep those guys. Yeah, so definitely. So yeah, that that's the way I see it. Interesting. Um, can you tell us anything about Markeith Morris? Uh, Thunder fans here in Oklahoma, uh, I wouldn't say an extensive history with Markeith. I mean, he was here for three months, but uh, a little bit of a thunder tie there along with Alex Caruso as well. Uh, but how has Keith looked um, so far? And do you think he's going to play a role on this team at all? Yeah, I think he's going to. I think it's going to be matchup dependent, but he's been solid. He's been a guy who the Lakers really needed. We knew all the way back last July, a year ago, um, that the Lakers didn't have enough wing defenders. They just, they didn't, they've got plenty of guards and they've got plenty of bigs, but not a lot of those kind of three and D six foot seven, six, eight, six, eight, wing defender types they just they don't have that many and uh and so bringing in markeith morris was to try to at least in some way address that because you're going to be defending you know your Kawhi leonard's and maybe Giannis antetokounmpo and, and players that have that size on the perimeter and so he's filled that role a little bit he's not a complete solution to the problem or, or anything like that but to come in for 10 minutes 15 minutes maybe stretch the floor a little bit be a physical presence uh, I think he can do those things. And so, so far he's been, he's been pretty solid as far as that goes. We'll see. He's, he gets to the bubble or he got to the bubble late. And so it may take a little bit longer for him to ramp up, but on paper, he seems to provide the Lakers with something that, uh, that they could really use. Very good. Um, so we talked about the eighth seed and who maybe the Lakers don't want to see in that spot besides the Clippers. What other Western Conference playoff team do you think poses the biggest threat to the Lakers to knock them out of the playoffs? I am looking squarely at the Houston Rockets. Uh, I was team, wondering if you were going there. Yeah, that that team, you know, I don't want to say they scare me, but they scare me. I mean, that, that team, that team is, they're weird. They're, they just are. They play no center. They're playing like a six foot seven and under lineup. And you would think, that in a seven-game series, you should be able to pick them apart when you can prepare for them on a nightly basis. If they catch you on a random Wednesday in January and you're not ready to deal with that type of play, you know, yeah, they're going to pick up regular season wins. And and maybe in a playoff series, you can scheme for that, for what they do a little bit more. But James Harden can go ballistic at a, at a moment's notice. Russell Westbrook can do the same thing. And they play such a weird style. They kind of bait you into throwing the ball into your big inside because, well, you've got, they've got a guy six foot seven guarding somebody who's a seven footer like in JaVale McGee or something. And that kind of takes teams out of their out of their rhythm and what they're trying to do. And just because of that, I'd feel more comfortable playing a team that plays a more traditional center in the lineup than dealing with what the Rockets are going to throw at you and what they're going to present. Even though I think the Lakers can match up, you can run Anthony Davis at the five and still stay big and versatile and, and all of that, that team is still they're They're enough of a, an oddity that I think they're going to catch some teams. They're going to surprise some teams. So that that's a team that I would like to avoid. Ideally. Definitely. I, I feel like the Rockets maybe have the, the biggest variance in the bubble as far as sealing the floor. 
you know, when they're bad and, and they get that that small lineup, the pocket rockets exposed, it can be bad. But like you mentioned, star power means so much in this league. And when you have Harden and Russ on the same team, there's I mean, the Lakers could play a great game, but if the, the Rockets shoot the piss out of the ball from three, there's there's not a lot you can do, you know. So uh, that's a fascinating one that you mentioned that I was wondering if you were going to go that direction. So, um, all right, prediction time. How far do the Lakers go in the playoffs? Do they win the title? Um, you know what? I'm going to say, so, so far this season, it's felt like a championship season. Like, this is the first time in, what, five, six years that it has felt like Lakers basketball again. And this is from, you know, I grew up, my earliest memory is of the Showtime Lakers, Magic and Kareem and, and all of them. Um, and this has finally felt like Lakers basketball again this season. And so I'm going to say they win it. It's not going to be easy. Uh, the Clippers are really, really, really good. I feel like the Clippers offense, the, the buckets come a little bit easier, whereas the Lakers have to struggle a little bit to get them. So, and no Avery Bradley, that's going to be a big factor. And I, and that may come back to bite them, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I'll say the Lakers do win it. I'm going to stay optimistic on that from, from my perspective and, uh, and say that they find a way to get it done. Awesome. You you taking them you uh playing against the Bucks or do you have someone else coming out of the East? No, I think the Bucks do come out of the East. I think there's some interesting teams there. Philadelphia can be really good, obviously. To the Toronto Raptors have been a, a pleasant surprise this season. They've been incredible, but at the end of the day, the Bucks have just been they've been in a different tier. So I, I foresee them coming out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. All right. Well, Trevor, before we let you go, we've got to play this game. So since the bubble is happening in the most magical place on earth. Disney World, except uh, I guess that strip club Lou Williams went to. What's that called? Magic something. <laughs> Maybe that's Magic Magic City. I think it Magic was. City. Maybe that's the most magical place on earth. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they got that's, good wings. So there's a difference between the Magic Kingdom and Magic City. And yeah, maybe he just maybe his up. GPS just got messed up. You know, he tried not to type in it. Magic Kingdom and it took him to Magic City. Who knows? Um, so since we're down in Disney World, I'm gonna name off a Disney character. I want you to tell me which Laker best matches that character uh okay. let let's start with <laughs> let's start with a funny one who is the eeyore of the los angeles lakers oh the eeyore of the lakers i'm gonna go with dwight howard and i and i'm saying dwight howard because there's a thing going on when it's been going on all season dwight howard versus the refs he's been getting picked on all the time and not <laughs> not to say he's blameless because he he moves on every screen he holds he pushes he shoves he does all that but the refs have been uh, really quick to whistle him on stuff and then he kind of sulks a little bit so I'm gonna go Dwight Howard beautiful who is the Aladdin oh the Aladdin um okay so kind of rags to riches guy that's got to be Alex Caruso okay nice you know got it gotta be he was he's been a pleasant surprise this season he's been incredible and I think nobody anticipated him to be this effective with LeBron James this season um Donald Duck uh Donald Duck okay so I think fiery kind of angry at times um you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Rajon Rondo because he's got that kind of edge to him, to his game, and he's not afraid to bark at some of the other players and, and things like that. So I'm going to go Rondo there. Okay. Uh, Simba, he just can't wait to be king. <laughs> That's got to be Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> he is, you know, he said that he loves playing alongside the stars and everything, but you know, when he's looking at some of his peers around the league and seeing the opportunities they're getting, you know, the number of shots they're taking compared to what he gets, he's got to be thinking about, hey, someday, someday that's going to be me. All right, I'll, I'll end you with a softball. We got to go with the icon, the mouse himself. Who is Mickey? 
Uh, Mickey Mouse leading the way. It's got to be LeBron. Uh, LeBron's leading the way. He's the he's the guy. He's the the one that everything is built around right now. So so LeBron James on the court this season has definitely been uh, been Mickey for the Lakers. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Trevor, man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, to those of you listening, make sure you check out Trevor on Twitter. He is at Trevor underscore Lane. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot from him because the Lakers are probably going to be in the bubble for quite some time. Check out his podcast. Uh, the Lakers Nation podcast, and also he's the co-host of the Front Office Show with Keith Smith. They do a wonderful job. It's one of my favorite basketball podcasts to listen to, so check those out. Give Trevor a follow, and Trevor, again, thank you so much, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks again to Trevor, and before I get you on to the Thunders Under the Bubble interview with myself, Justin, and Taylor, I want to take a quick minute and tell you guys about Deal Dash. Have you ever he- heard of DealDash.com? It is the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day in electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours if you go ahead and buy now deal dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts just go to dildash.com and use the offer code uncontested or dildash.fm slash uncontested that's d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h dot f-m slash uncontested Now, here is Justin, Taylor, and myself breaking down the Oklahoma City Thunder under the bubble. Okay, guys, so now we are going to break down the Thunder as the final team in our under the bubble series. Uh, This is obviously Jacob, and to break down the Thunder with me, I've got my two co-hosts, Taylor is along. Still DRE, baby. Back and shooting threes. (laughs) And we've got Justin. Am I a guest? Do I? Yeah. Is that what this means? I'm no, not, you're not a guest. guest. You're just a co-host. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry. You I don't want to be don't... a guest for once. <laughs> so we are going to break down the Thunder a little bit differently for the Under the Bubble series. If you guys haven't noticed by now, every other team we've done, we've kind of followed uh, a, a certain way that we've reintroduced teams. But since you're listening to the Uncontested, we figure you probably like the Oklahoma City Thunder and you are familiar with them already. So instead, Justin and Taylor and I decided that we were going to break down the Thunder in three tiers. Uh, the, the Ghost of Thunder Past, the Ghost of Thunder Present, and of course, the Ghost of Thunder Future. So let's start with the Ghost of Thunder Past. Let's review this season, guys. Uh, Oklahoma City started this season off, and we all had a, a famous two-word phrase that we were big fans of. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Competitive tanking. Competitive tanking. <laughs> I miss those days. The two magic words. Honest. Didn't last very long. Jumping on a post-game recap, joyously recapping a three-point loss, talking As about I all our As I furiously looked up information about Anthony Edwards and Denny Avdia. <laughs> Well, you still do that. No, but. really for Denny Avdia. I've got a man crush. It might be more than a man crush. Uh, yeah. It's justified, though, if I'm being honest. He's good. 
<laughs> Very good. But now we're not competitive tanking anymore. We're just kind of good. We're just competitive. We're just competitive without the whole <laughs> yeah. tanking. So really the turn happened, guys, in that Minnesota Timberwolves, Steven Adams touchdown pass to Dennis Schroeder yes. game. That was really the turning point. Um, after Thanksgiving, per Taylor, per the internet. Per Taylor. <laughs> the Thunder have the third best record in the league, uh, just behind the Bucks and the Lakers since Thanksgiving. The Thunder are 34 and 13. I also put down in our notes, they're, they have the third best record in the league since Thanksgiving, which was approximately 15 years ago. Yeah, no kidding. Because that's what it feels like. That's what we I were, was just thinking when you were talking about the, the touchdown game pass game. Oh, yeah. Is like, that feels like a part of Thunder history at this point. <laughs> like, so that feels like ago. an old game really you'd fire up to I mean, reminisce. Gosh, so we uh, just pulled out the old rusty uh, post game podcast schedule on, on like that we have on a Google Doc or Google Sheet. And the first one on there was like back from October when the Thunder played a preseason game in Tulsa in 2019. Back before Halloween. We were so I mean, young that was like, and innocent. Yeah, we were Taylor, so we were at that game, weren't we? That's what I was trying to remember. Did we go to that or one? Or was that two years ago? That was two, two years, years ago, ago when we did it at Elgin. Elgin oh, Park, yeah. Okay. Uh, post, live post game. But for some reason, I couldn't remember. Oh, no, no, no. I went. I did go, though. Um, but I think I went with family. Um, but yeah, God, no, can you imagine attending a sporting ago. event? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without worrying about if you're gonna die in two weeks or not, uh, good Jesus. times. Good Man, times. Time has time feels like it's taking forever, but I guess a global pandemic, social uprising, and uh, the race war will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. <laughs> so, but Thunder third best record in the league since Thanksgiving, guys. Um, it's pretty good. Obviously, the the scrimmage games in Orlando don't count towards that, but they became a legitimate threat. Climbed up to, what, fifth in the Western Conference. And if Rudy Gobert hadn't gotten sick and touched all those microphones, they were poised to take over the oh, yeah. fourth I seed. Oh, yeah. They were on a roll. They were yeah. rolling. And they came in that game confident. They've even talked about it. I can't remember what their win streak was going into that game, but they had beat Detroit. They had beat the Knicks. They had beat Boston. It was at least a three game win streak mm-hmm. heading into that Utah game. It was shortly coming off the Bucks assassination. Though. Oh yeah, so the Thunder were eight and ten. <laughs> Jesus, the Thunder were eight and two prior, uh, eight and two of their last ten yeah. on a three-game win streak before that that pause. There you go. So yeah, the, Justin, that Bucks game was right before yeah. that Detroit game, I think. And then the the game, the last game, the full game they actually played was against the Celtics when Dennis they played without Shea yep. for the first time all season, and Dennis Schroeder comes in and gets that steal with Chris Paul when they that trap, game was awesome. Uh, who did they trap there? Was it Marcus Smart or was it? No, it was Kemba. Uh, Kemba. Kemba. They poked the ball away from Kemba. Big yeah. time. That Big was, time. that, I mean, yeah. The season was at such a peak at that point. I think that's what, as a Thunder fan, made the shutdown hurt so much worse is like they were the rolling. wheels were greased and the well, team know, was trucking. And what's that. crazy is they beat Boston in that game. Yeah. And then the next time this team dribbled a basketball in a competitive NBA game on the court, was against Boston in scrimmage yep. number one in the bubble. Yep. What yeah. a huge gap. I remember That's doing crazy. that, like, the first podcast once everything, like, you know, you know what hit the fan after the Utah Jazz game. and Yeah, uh, you and like Justin you said, did that. My anxiety was so bad I couldn't podcast. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, I told Justin, um, like, of course, just thunder's luck that, you know, everything happens. We think we're going to be terrible. We're actually a great team and have a great shot to be really competitive heading into the playoffs. 
and then COVID hits and puts the season on pause for forever. Um, and now here we are with the yeah, chance well, to redeem and, and ourselves. And we'll, fin- we'll finish this review section. But Taylor, I, I think after these three scrimmages, a lot of Thunder fans would say, we have a chance to be even better mm-hmm. than we were. Right. So um, another thing we're viewing this season, we got to talk about this team's clutch play because they became masters in the final five minutes of the game. Just absolute late game heroics, wizardry, um, just insanity. Chris Paul, the leading scorer in the clutch in the NBA this season. Clutch Paul, uh, baby. Yep, his his percentages, I don't have them in front of me, but I think he maybe leads the league in field goal percentage in the clutch. or it, It's something ridiculous. Shea Gilgis, no, he leads the league in plus minus in clutch minutes. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is not a far distant second. This team, if you got down to the last five minutes and the game was in five point, within five points, the Thunder were going to win. Mm-hmm. And I, so I actually thought this was a clutch stat when I pull up some old screenshots that I have. Uh, this isn't, but kind of leads to that because a lot of these games, um, the Thunder were making it close. But the Thunder have also now won five games. Sorry, this was after the, the Celtics game that we just talked about. The Thunder had won five games this season after trailing by at least 18 points, which was tied or is tied for the most by any any team over the last 20 seasons, um, which kind of ties into that because if they're coming back down from 18 points, it's probably a close game heading into the clutch. <laughs> yeah, well, and speaking of that, that makes me think of that home game versus Chicago. Yeah. Where oh, Chris Paul just snapped in that second well, half yep. and hit I mean, like... Chicago, for some reason, February? kept switching the screen, and Chris Paul just abused the big man. Yep. So, it's, it's, I mean, Honestly, yeah, I, like, has always been a big factor, in my opinion, of why this team has felt like it's overachieved. It's just because it seems they just get the job done. But it, it became harder and harder to doubt them the more times they pulled it off. It felt a little bit, to me, like Russell Westbrook's MVP season, where it was like, Russell Westbrook willed that team to more wins than they probably deserved. And while it's not one person necessarily doing it, Chris Paul has taken a lot of the load, but it's more spread out. But I think it's this team just continually finds ways to win, probably, you know, punching a little above their weight class. But eventually you have to stop thinking of it as a fluke or stop thinking of it as an aberration and start realizing that like this team, whatever the clutch gene is, this team just has it. I found my stats. They were not my screenshots. They were in uh, my notes, including the first one, which would have been very convenient to have right before we started the podcast. Since starting 6-11, and 11, the Thunder have gone 34-13 and 13 before the pause of the season. Third best record in the NBA since Thanksgiving, 9-17 and 17 against teams over 500. Uh, but the clutch stats, they're 29-13 and 13 in the clutch, which is the most clutch wins in the NBA. First in offense in the clutch, second in defense, which is just absurd. CP3 shooting 46 of 86 in the clutch. Um, Shea is 27 of 47 and Shooter is 24 of 47. Just some absolutely absurd numbers. Yeah, that's, it's wild, man. And part of that comes down to those three guys that you just mentioned, Taylor, that three guard lineup just took the league by storm. It's the best three man lineup in the NBA this season. Um, I, I mean, Billy Donovan at the beginning of the season talked about playing those three guards and we thought he was crazy. (laughs) And then he put them out there. And damn it, it worked. They were scrappy on defense. They were able to move, switch, communicate. And then on offense, you have three guys that can create their own shot for themselves and create shots for others. And so the ball movement was interesting because this team ranks 
high in passes per game but low in assists. And it's because they swing the ball, they find mismatches, and they attack them. Consistently, that's what they do. So they're not like, you know, Spurs teams of old that swing the ball to the open man and shoot. They swing the ball to the man that has the mismatch, and then they let that guy go to work. Go to work, yes. Yeah, and and so, you know, I, I think that lineup has a lot to do with that clutch stat. Just so much potential. O- offensively, late in the game, I mean, it's a it's a pick-your-poison type of thing. Do you want to switch exactly. the screen? Okay, well, then you're getting, giving one of these three guards who are great off of the dribble a mismatch and a chance to go exploit somebody. <laughs> And they're willing to shoot it. They're willing to dribble it. They're willing to pass it. I mean, they're willing to pull up. That's what I was going to say. So, looking at these lineups, uh, this is a screenshot I took right after that Celtics game, also. Uh, Shea, Chris Paul, and Shooter are above Giannis, Bledsoe, Matthews at two. Giannis, Bledsoe, uh, DiVincenzo at three. Brandon Clark, T. Jones. I don't even know. I guess Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, yeah. T. Melton. Oh, uh, Gallo, Chris Paul, and Shooter at five. Now, I think this isn't filtered by minutes. Um, oh, minimum of 300 minutes. That's from Andy Bailey. Interesting. Anyways, yeah, it's a pretty pretty incredible. But you know what? What really had to, uh, what really makes that lineup work, and not just offensively. I mean, obviously they're willing to share the ball. That's huge on the offensive end. But they all have bought in defensively. Yep. Um, Shooter's able to play up. He's small, but he's able to guide, to guard guys and switch on to guys like you mentioned, Jacob. If you have three guards out there, essentially, um, one playing shooting guard, the other playing small forward basically two of them playing wings, you're going to get some bigger wings switched on to you, or, or you're going to have to switch on to bigger wings when you're playing defense. And Shooter's ability to be able to stick with those bigger uh, guys on offense, and as well as Shea, and being able to move his feet and improve on the defensive end. And we already know that Chris is a, a fantastic defender. That's helped tremendously. Um, so I think all that to say is you have to give them credit on the defensive end as well, because that's kind of how they come back from these games, is deflections, steals, and that constant intensity. Yeah, that that allows you to go on big runs. And I think, like you said, the Schroeder piece is important. I don't think he'll ever be the best defender on the floor or anything like that, but he doesn't seem to really take plays off. He's always giving you effort, which has not always been the case uh, with certain players in Oklahoma City. Uh, The defensive effort at a consistent level has not always been there, and I think that definitely has been one of the things that's led to that lineup having success. I found another clutch stat. The Thunder have played the most clutch minutes within five points in the last five minutes, which we haven't said that yet. It's probably important to say of any my, team in the NBA. Um, my and, blood pressure can confirm that. Yeah, right. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> Welcome and, to the Young Contestant, where our podcast is just Taylor digging through his cell phone. <laughs> yes, it's, it's fantastic. Perfect season recap. And like an they had the best net, net rating in the clutch minutes, too. A whopping plus 27.1 points per 100 possessions per the ringers, Zach Graham. Next, Taylor's going to say, oh, by the way, I've got this really cute picture of my dogs on my phone. <laughs> I'll tweet it from the account. I'll tweet it from the account. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, we got to talk about Chris Paul's resurgence because, guys, whenever the Thunder traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul, we did an emergency podcast. This is about a year and two weeks old now. And we just kind of shit on Chris Paul for like an hour. It that's was, what our, that, that's what our trade reaction pod was. <laughs> it was a uh, sad boys. It was a sad boy special. <laughs> There's some Very sad. particularly amazing sound bites. Um, I think Jacob, you in particular, uh, said the words "Get him out of here." I don't want to watch him. I don't. I don't want him on my team. 
something like that. And look at us now. Uh, I Who would have thought? Look at us. <laughs> look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> I think a lot Talk of that if. has to do with his buy-in. And I think that's something that we probably weren't expecting. You know, you always heard <laughs> about locker room weren't. issues in Houston. <laughs> You felt like Chris Paul, he's getting to the twilight of his career. He doesn't have a ring. How excited is he going to be to be in Oklahoma City where a ring is probably off the table? It just felt like the recipe for a bad situation. But he has wholeheartedly bought in, taking Baisley and Shea on private jet trips, hanging out with them, spending time with them, really investing in their future, which is not only going to pay dividends like we're seeing now, but long-term with this team, right. having Shea and Baisley and those guys get to develop under Chris Paul is going to be incredibly well, massive. And it wasn't even just in Houston either. It was with the Clippers. Um, and right. I think the common denominator there, Justin, is you have a James Harden in Houston. You have a Blake Griffin in, in Los Angeles. And now he gets to come and be the guy. Um, yeah. Guys are looking yeah. up to him. He gets to kind of control things. He gets to be the point guy that he wants to be, right? Um, all while mentoring these guys. And all that to say that he's put a lot of work into his body since his time in Houston as well, going vegan um, and, and just it, getting back in, in, in back into better shape. And I, it's really paid off, and it, it's been incredible to see. So much so um, that I've, I've been listening to the low post. I've read a couple different articles of, of voters who have already placed their votes um, for the all-NBA teams and the all-NBA awards. And almost all of them have Chris Paul on either their second or third team All NBA, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Over guys like Russell Westbrook, um, over sometimes over guys like Dame. Right. Um, so if you told me that at the beginning of the season, um, and again, you guys can go back and listen to our Chris Paul trade podcast, <laughs> we would we, we would not be expecting that at all. I thought you were going to say so much so that I've decided to go vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I, I'm so inspired by the way he turned things around. The, uh, sorry, Stephen Adams. Love you, Chris. Uh, not smashing yeah, stakes exactly. anymore. Smash some stakes. We can't leave the Chris Paul topic without talking about, and you guys have kind of mentioned it in passing, but just his leadership overall. I didn't expect Chris to be this type of leader. Right. And I think it's because I haven't really covered Chris in depth because he hasn't been on the Thunder. Yeah. But since he's been here, seeing his leadership on the team with the young guys with the culture, with the league as a whole, as far as being the president of the basketball association, um, the the players, sorry, not the basketball association, but the players, players association, right. um, just the type of leader he is, the type of man that he is, mm-hmm. it, it, it's very endearing. And it's something that I'm proud to say that this guy has made a stop in my home city and has Twice. brought that, brought that leadership in, Man, and he's invested in the city. To your point, Jacob. yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to get political on the podcast, but in in twenty twenty, uh, leadership is easy when things are going smooth and fine, and and there's no bumps in the road and the waves aren't crashing. Leadership is difficult, and you prove yourself as a leader when things get tough. Yep. Right. That that's just a rule of life. It's not basketball. It's not politics. It's not whatever. Uh, it's life. Anyone can be a leader when things are smooth. It's when things are difficult, when being a leader is tough. And in 2020, shit's been tough. And we've seen a lot of people in leadership positions um, fail miserably. Across the nation and across the world. Yeah. And, and Chris Paul, in a time of turmoil as far as a pandemic, as far as social injustice, has stood up and become even more of a leader. And it's just it's something, not even to be proud of the basketball player, but just the man. 
you yeah, know? Absolutely. Just to have, and, and that, you know what, Jacob, that's perfect because it echoes something that Andre said during his return. Mm. Um, you know, obviously seeing all these questions about himself and him coming back, but one of the things that stood out to me is a quote that he had, and again, this isn't direct, but he mentioned the quality of guys that Sam Pre- you know, just how happy his teammates were for him, how thankful he is to have those teammates and those people and the people on the staff supporting him. And then he followed that up. He kind of stopped himself almost mid-sentence, if I remember correctly, and then kind of goes, but you know, that's just the kind of guys that Sam Presti uh, fills this organization with. And again, non-direct quote, that's yeah. a summary of it. Um, and, and Chris Paul fits that. And I think Sam Presti recognized that. That's not to say that Russell Westbrook and Paul George were traded away because they're not. That's not it at all. Um, they also sure. fit that as well. Um, but just given the circumstances that Presti continues to put those kind of guys on the team, even above basketball skills, um, I think is a reason you'll see the Thunder continue to be successful for a long time. Definitely. So speaking of Dre, let's shift here from the ghost of thunder past to the ghost of thunder present and let's talk about this week and the three scrimmages we've seen this team play and it all starts with andre robertson it has to Still. has to <laughs> and then none of us say anything um oh, oh, sorry. i thought taylor <laughs> I was, was like i know I, I, yeah you guys thought i was gonna start rapping <laughs> representing for the gangsters all across the Dude, world like Still. We've talked a lot of crap, Andre, of just... I've said all season that he's not going to touch the basketball floor again in his career. I'm like freezing cold takes right now. Well, it didn't feel like a crazy take. I think Kamiar said that we'd find the Malaysian Airlines plane (laughs) before Andre Robertson played again. Uh, But, like, on the flip side of that... The Malaysian plane's still missing, by the way. Thanks for... uh, (laughs) Texas still isn't back either. (laughs) Following up on that... Um, just from a human perspective, like, yeah, we crack jokes, but, like, it's awesome. It is awesome to see Dre playing basketball again. Uh, we were all Rachel A. Demida when, during the game when she said she was bawling. Like, yes, like, there there are not many cooler moments that we've experienced as a Thunder fandom. Which is wild that. because it didn't happen in the peak. You know, like, can you imagine yeah. if that would have happened? Um, like, it was I, a scrimmage. Oh. But, it, I mean, it was historic (laughs) and like to see him not only come back and be on the court again, but to hit those two game winners was just, it was fantastic. It was a, the only way it could have been better is if it was like a playoff game or something. So he's four of six from three in the bubble and has hit at least one three pointer, every scrimmage that stroke looks real. And again, he's not going to be pulling up from all over like Gallo. Like don't be expecting that when the season resumes. Yeah. But I think it's safe to say that he's found some confidence in his shot and it looks way better. There's no more yeah, hitch. Yeah, there's still a little bit of hesitancy there. Right. I wish true. he'd fire him up a little more willingly. Little uh, there's times where he catches them and he's open, and then he still tries to swing it. And I'm like, oh, now I see where Terrence Ferguson got it from. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think he's getting confident. Man, to see him hit those two threes against Philly and talk that shit to the bench. Yes. God, Dre's it's so back. heartwarming. Like. And the know, bench reaction. I, I mean, talk your shit, Dre. Like hey. his brother, like his brother Anthony said on Twitter, talk your shit, Dre. <laughs> he's an great I mean, shit talker too. Yeah, he's. I he mean, he was, he was fired up, and and by all means, he should be. I mean, yeah. everything that he came back from, and then to hit those two threes. I don't give a shit if it's a playoff game or if it's a pickup game. <laughs> like you, you got to be so happy for this dude. Yep. And the thing is, it's not just a feel good story. He's legitimately playing well. Yeah. yeah. He's playing well enough that I think he's going to be in the rotation. 
And Billy yeah, kind of alluded I, that alluded to that again today, saying that you know he he looks great, uh, he can contribute for us. The only thing, and Billy keeps mentioning this, and he said, I think Dre would agree, he's not completely there conditioning wise, which is understandable. But I mean, Billy's saying that as in like he wouldn't be saying that if uh, he was trying to you know if he didn't feel like Dre could get there, right? If he felt like this is going to be the Dre that we you know got a couple steps slower, this will be him for the rest of his career. He'd probably be saying, yeah, I'm really happy where Dre's at. Really great story. But he's not. He's like, I'm going to challenge Dre to continue to get better because he can get back to where he was. And that's, like, terrifying if you're an opposing team against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's it's awesome because I think what has made this story so hard is just not really knowing what was going on. Like, we had the weird media day comments to start the season of, like, I'm full go. I'm back. And it was like, okay, like, Dre, maybe he's going to play. And then never saw him. He wasn't with the team. He's in LA. And that's where I think the real doubt started to set in. And I think really for me started to be like, okay, is this, is he ever going to be able to play basketball again? So then when they start airing out similar comments in the bubble, it's like, okay, are, are we getting played again? Like how many times can I get the wool pulled over my eyes before we realize that Andre Robertson's never playing basketball? But then he does, and to Taylor's point, he looks pretty good. Like, the expectations that I had for him as far as what he would look like were much, much lower than what we've seen so far. And, yes, it's just some scrimmages. We'll see how he looks into the seeding games and into the playoffs. But so far, uh, super, super impressed with where Dre's at and super happy for him from, like, a personal human feel good story level and we were hearing like all this you know all the players and coaches and people in the organization even Presti kind of hyping him up heading into this and call me already joked around and uh talked about how you know he better come out looking like defensive player of the year dre <laughs> well he's pretty pretty dang close so they i thought it was more for like confidence from a confidence standpoint because again we've talked about in the past how uh kind of a like methodical player that dre is when he's on the court and i think that probably was part of it but it turns out it was somewhere a little more in the middle. Um, it could have been for some confidence, but they weren't lying either. He uh, he, yeah. he looks like he's almost back. So transitioning from Andre, with these scrimmages, we also have to talk about the rookies, Lugens Dort and Darius Baisley, who, guys, we talked about this in the lead-up to the bubble, that this hiatus has been the length of an offseason. And typically yeah. you see young guys make a leap from the end of one season to the start of the next. Now, this quote-unquote off-season was weird because it was a global pandemic and everything was shut down and these guys weren't working with their coaches. But it's pretty evident to me that Lugens Dort and Darius Baisley came back from the shutdown as better basketball players. It's awesome. Like, I, I, that was a phrase that I would say, and it sounded smart. Like, oh, this is like a, another off season. But like deep down, there's part of me to all the things you just said of like, oh, they haven't really been working out. It's been a pandemic. It's been kind of weird. Who knows? That stuff was really driving my like actual thoughts about this. Of like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they could come back better. But like, in all honesty, let's temper some expectations. Like everybody thinks they want to pick up a new hobby and better themselves during a pandemic. But most of us just end up eating a sleeve of Oreos and putting on 15 pounds like myself. (laughs) But these guys uh, did not do that. Shay and Lou and Baisley have been awesome. 
Like, they've been fantastic in the scrimmages so far, and they look like totally different players. Shea looks bigger. He looks more controlled. Uh, Baisley showing some things. Like, some of the moves he was doing today were just kind of jaw-dropping, especially compared to if you look at, like, some of the tape from him before the season got suspended. Like, he took a huge jump. And then lose confidence just seems to be off the charts. Like, he was shooting in rhythm. He wasn't hesitating. fantastic. Oh, but so you know good. what I also love is I mean and obviously it's because of scrimmages and we aren't going to see this a lot besides maybe when Schroeder um, has to lead the bubble but for, for the birth of his baby but him handling the ball him still being able to create like that um, just his versatility in general has just been so exciting and then I talked to you know on the Sunday pod about or Monday morning pod about um, Baisley and just his confidence and that just showed it again today when just, he went right at Whiteside oh multiple today, times that was awesome multiple yeah, times so so let me hit you guys with some stats. Baisley in the opening scrimmage against Boston, 19 minutes, 9 points, an assist, and a rebound. And then against Philly, the second seeding game, which was full 12-minute quarters instead of 10-minute quarters, Baisley played 26 minutes, 13 points, 7 rebounds, shot 50%, had 13 points on 8 shots, uh, a block and a steal. And then today against the Portland Trailblazers, 20 uh, he's 27 minutes, 20 points, two assists, two rebounds, a block, and a steal. Seven of 15 from the floor. He's looked three so much of five strong. from the three-point line, uh, and he he was putting in work today. Uh, on the flip side, Lou against Dort. Uh, his stats, real quick, against Boston, Lou played 19 minutes, had nine points, three assists, four rebounds. Against Philly, Lou had. 21 minutes, 13 points, and two rebounds on four of seven shooting. And then against the Portland Trailblazers today, Lou had 13 points, three assists, one rebound, and 22 minutes. Uh, Shooting efficiently, his three-point stroke looks much more consistent. Definitely. Uh, It's splashing in. He's he's got confidence with it. Both of these rookies, I think, are going to be big-time role players for this team in the seeding games and in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, this obviously, <laughs> this is, is an overreaction to three kind of meaningless scrimmages. But honestly, just from what we've seen, and then you compare them to like their equivalents, their counterparts on these other teams, right? Uh, for example, when they play the Celtics, comparing Baisley to some of the, and, and Dort to some of these other rookies that the Celtics have, it's they're outcompeting them by a long shot. I think it's very obvious that they're much more skilled and talented and further along in their development. And so not only for this uh, resumption of the season and into the playoffs, I think they're, they're centerpieces that you can kind of put around Shea. Obviously, you want another so – they aren't going to be the star player, the perfect star player next to Shea. Um, but all that to say, I'm super impressed with their development. Um, Baisley continues to show his improvement. I know it's, it's easy to see guys like Brandon Clark and Matisse Thibel who are just contributing now and yeah. look fantastic. I'm seeing flashes of that from Baisley so far, and um, I'm, I'm really excited to just – see him in real minutes, like you said, Jacob, these eight seeding games and in the playoffs. Because if he continues to show this confidence, he doesn't back away from it, we've got a lot to work with there. And there's a lot to be excited about um, for both him and Dort. I think that's the flip side on the getting excited about the young guys' development is every other team's rookies are also kind of probably going to experience a little bit of a jump as well. And we've seen that, like you mentioned, from Brandon Clark and Matisse Thibel, who've looked great so far in the bubble uh, it, it's. I think that's what makes predicting how this plays out so tough mm-hmm. is the teams really are just a lot different than what we saw in March. Yeah, they are. It's but a whole new season. 
still, it's encouraging to see the growth. The growth For is sure. very nice. Right. And speaking of, speaking of growth, we got to talk about the player that all Thunder fans want us to talk about. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Man. My God. If he would have played you want to talk about a today? jump? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're talking. I just like, like he even or, looks like a different player, oh, it, like different hairstyle, swagger, bulkier. But like even how he's carrying himself, his persona. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just like just, just dripping swagger. Uh, I feel that's like the whitest thing I've ever said in my entire him. life, which is saying something. But <laughs> <laughs> look back true. at pictures of him from the beginning of the season or like last year with the Clippers. He looks like a little kid. Oh yeah, like well, not only. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's a little kid, but he's got the short hair. Um, you know, he always dressed like he, he was always in the fashion, but always wore his Kobe's, um, his body behind Chris Paul. Tell me more about his body. (laughs) His body's nice. Let me tell you something, buddy. (laughs) Go on. 10 of 10. Uh, Wood bang. (laughs) Whoa. Hey, whoa. No, man. To, to me, two things massively that I've seen from Shea and growth. In these scrimmages, number one playmaking is well. Is that thanks number for two? To my num- Sorry. Thanks for getting my number two. Dickhead. <laughs> Let's talk about his playmaking. Watching him play point guard today with Chris Paul out, phenomenal. He's got a chemistry with Stephen Adams. The way he manipulates the pick and roll is incredible, and you can see so many shades of Chris Paul in the way that Shea is playing the pick and roll. Uh, today, he had back-to-back possessions. The first one, he got a screen from from Steven on his left-hand side. He came off the screen and off a live dribble with his left hand, threaded a bounce pass between the two defenders to Steven for a massive dunk. The next possession, he comes down. He plays off that screen again, but mm-hmm. he's not watching his defender, and he's not watching Steven's defender. He's, he's watching, watching the defender, defender in the corner on the opposite side of the court. And as he sees that defender start to cheat in, Shea goes one-handed off the bounce, bullet pass to that corner to Hamadou Diallo. That's that and Chris that, Paul that is a Chris vision. Paul lead. Yep. That is a Chris Paul read 100%. Chris Paul's even talked about in postgame about how whenever he's playing the pick and roll, he's not reading his defender. He's reading the weak side defender to see where the action's coming from. It's hmm. bleeding over into Shea. That's incredible. Number two is his understanding on where the defense is and how to draw fouls when he's at the rim. He's been drawing fouls like crazy. He's been playing through contact and getting to the free throw line. And if you ask any NBA analyst, they'll tell you when you go from good to great, from a decent score to a volume score, is at the free throw line. Look at Brad Beal. Look at... Hmm. Russell Westbrook, look yep. at James Harden, look at Clay Thompson, yep. look at Kevin Durant, look at Kyrie Irving, look at LeBron James. I don't care. List them all. They get to the free throw line. And Shea is learning how to use his body, how to draw that contact and get the foul. If those two things are persistent, getting to the line, drawing contact, and that playmaking that we've been seeing, the sky is the limit. I'm going to throw in two like super quick ones uh on top of those two because those are the two main ones i agree with you completely and we've talked all season about hey, he needs to continue to improve getting to the free throw line and that's what it's going to take to get him to that next step he's doing that but two other things i've noticed um one we saw that step back three a little bit today and it looked oh fantastic. my god he mm-hmm. embarrassed Nurkic twice I mean, if he has that we're talking <laughs> like 
I mean, <laughs> absolute all-star. That's that's huge. Um, and and he, you're right. He pulled out against Nurkic when Nurkic got switched onto him in the. And they roll, kept switching Nurk on him, and, and Shea just looked at him like he was barbecue yeah, chicken, right. man. And it, and it was, but it just he got hot. He got confidence. Leads me to my last point: the confidence. And I mentioned this just a little bit ago, but just to add on to that, Brandon Robar of Daily Thunder, he had the direct quotes. Um, he said that. So Baisley made a joke about you know he kind of felt like Chris Paul and Shea today getting the media availability. Uh, we're kind of poking fun at Shay, and Shay's right there, right? Well, then Shay, uh, this is from Brandon. Shay just told Baisley to leave his seat, and then told Chris Paul he that Chris has done media the last eight games, so he's not having any of that. Shay takes the seat. Shay, I'm playing point guard tonight. I've been a lead guard my whole life. He says it felt natural taking the lead tonight. Now look, he's super close to Baisley and Chris. That's not a dig or anything like that, but. He's got the confidence. You know what I mean? He he's, yep. he's ready to take that role. My man's got balls. He, he's ready. He's ready. <laughs> and they're large. <laughs> Wavos, Wavos Grande. It's uh, we're just we're watching this kid grow, man, and it's so exciting. It's so exciting. I've said it over and over of like I've tried to temper my expectations with Shay because I didn't want it to be like the rebound girl right. after Russell right. Westbrook left. But my goodness, does he make it hard? Um, I'm not talking about <laughs> anyway. See all of the above, all of the T- above. Tell me about his body again. Um, his body looks good, man. <laughs> the uncontested brought to you by Roman. Gross. Uh, no, he like he's just super impressive, and I think that the more we see out of him, the more excited I get. Oh, for let me his tell future. you something. I cannot wait for these seating games. This sounds bad. I can't wait for these seating games when Schroeder's not there and we see stretches of Shea running the offense. Right. I right. think it's going to be incredible. I, I would argue that that will happen a little more regardless just because Billy's hmm. not going to just be able. Just for the development, yeah. Right. All right, well, before we move on to the ghost of Thunder future, Taylor's going to tell you about how you can bet all your money on the Thunder and come out a millionaire. Well, guys, the Thunder are coming back, but sports in general are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this, or has kicked off this past week. Um, we'll see if it continues, but <laughs> there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, gentlemen, let's look ahead to the Ghost of Thunder future. The eight seeding games in the playoffs. My first question for you, after everything we've seen, who's in the rotation and who's not? Well, mm, if you're going off today. My boy for, yeah, I was going to say, if you're going off to today, everybody's in the rotation. Everybody's sitting three-pointers. <laughs> Kevin Hervey's hitting three-pointer, turning the ball up. I mean, we're in business. We're rolling deep. <laughs> so I, I, one of my biggest takeaways from the scrimmages, it seems like Homie's in the rotation. He's yeah. absolutely first wing off the bench every single time. Um, he's coming in with Schroeder. And I at first I was wondering if that was just like, again, like these are scrimmages and um, there's a lot of teams. Like, for example, um, who the Rockets play today. 
the Rockets treated like a full regular like play. Yeah, the game. Rockets played Boston today and played oh, James Harden like thirty five minutes. Yeah, just ridiculous. And Boston, Boston played no yeah, starters. Yeah, and and James had thirty points in the first half. Whatever. Boston, you know, that's one of those teams that's kind of treat, treating these scrimmages as rather than gear up games. Like it's sure getting those the starters some some preseason minutes essentially, but. Um, I was almost wondering if something like that, like get Homie these developmental minutes, get him around this elite competition, just let him to continue to develop. But that doesn't seem to be the case, like you said, Jacob, especially after today. Um, I, and I think what it is, and we've talked about this before, but Ferg's very fundamental. He has great fundamentals, but he's so hesitant. Um, almost, it, and it's almost a detriment, not almost, it is a de- detriment to the team. I think Billy's realized that. And what Hami does is he's not scared, he's not afraid, and he's going to bring out on every single possession, and he's going to make something happen. And I think when you have as much depth as the Thunder do, as much talent as this Thunder team does, for that position specifically, you need somebody who can just come in and make something happen, especially in that second unit. That's what Hami can bring. On top of that, we've heard Presley talk about his growth as well. He looped him in with that Lou Dort and Baisley conversation. Um, he, he linked all three of those names as people who have improved um, over besides Shea. And so... It, We've seen some of that. We saw some of that today. Obviously, the shooting's never going to be perfect. Um, I, I shouldn't say never. Look at Dre. But <laughs> all of that to say that I think uh, Hami's worked on his game. He's gotten bigger and stronger. I mean, shoot, he was battling with fours and fives down low, like Whiteside and Zach Collins today, and was getting rebounds and putbacks over him. And I think that's what Billy wants. Uh, and for whatever reason, I guess it's just because it's the Presty mold, but um, Presty and Billy just seem to love him. And so I'm with you, Jacob. I think he's, he's won that spot. I, the thing I keep think, thinking about is the quote from Ferg where he said that he didn't have access to a basketball court during the entire mm. quarantine. Like, I wonder how much that is affecting things of just having more rust than the other guys. Like, you, yeah. we've heard about how much Shea worked on his game. I know through the grapevine uh, that Hami was working on his game uh, quite a bit. And so if Ferg was the only one not touching a basketball court. Like that's going to set him back. We know Baisley was, a bit. right? Like, so if it was guy. close between Hami, Ferg, Robertson, like those guys are competing for minutes, Nader, Burton. If you're the one that hasn't played basketball in three and a half months, you're probably the odd man out. So for the rotation, we know the starters, right? Chris, Shea, Lou, Gallo, Steven. Well, that's the other we thing. Lou's kind of cemented his starting spot. Yeah, we, we know Schroeder is a six-man. We know Nerlens Noel is going to get burned, even though today he was DNP nap, um, <laughs> which was incredible. Um, I totally feel that. The big thing we have to look at is the wings. So let me list off the wings, and you guys give me them in order of who you think is um, – in the rotation versus outs. Okay, so we're going to put them in like most likely to be playing in the seeding games and the playoff games to least likely. Okay. You have Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo, Abdul Nader, Deontay Burton, Darius Baisley, Andre Robertson. Okay. So let's just go ahead and start this off and make it easier. Um, according to Roy Young's article, and again, I, we kind of have seen this. I think this is just the best way to get Dre in with the starters and get him playing time. I think Baisley and Dre will probably split those backup forward, uh, power forward minutes. Um, I, I say that. I think Dre will probably split his time between the wing and the power forward. Baisley's the primary power forward backup. 
behind Gallo. So that really leaves, you're looking at Ferg, Nader, and Diallo. Um, so J- Justin, who do you think amongst those three are you taking first, second, third? I lean towards Nader, Diallo, Ferg. Okay. I was wondering if you one of you guys would go that direction because I, I get it, and it makes sense when you're talking about playoffs. This is my thing with Hami, and uh, I don't mean to upset anyone on the podcast that may be a big fan of Hami. You take it know. back. You take it back right now. He's just, <laughs> I think, I'm with he's you. such an enigma to me. Like, his potential and his athletic tools have always been there. But I just, I feel like I always am kind of left wanting more out of him. And now maybe that jump's still coming. I don't think I've seen it yet. I don't I don't think I've been converted on that, but I kind of felt the same way about Nader, uh, mm-hmm. maybe less optimistic about Nader, but that he's was been great this season. Thing. So there's still, I'm not like giving up on him yet, but I, I think that his actual basketball contributions are not as high as his like athletic showy plays and energy that he brings. And um, I think that's exactly what Hami is, is an energy guy. But he, I think, I do think that seeing him play more at the four is maybe a good move for him I, because he doesn't have the ball skills to be out on the wing. And I think that his athleticism, like you were saying, Taylor, he's going up and getting boards over bigger guys. Like, let's use that. Put him at the four, and he may be slightly undersized, but he's got the athleticism to make up for it. He's got the offensive skills of Andre Robertson, and that's not an insult. Right. Right. Yeah. He can't shoot, but he's a good cutter. He can cut. He can handle right. the ball. He can screen. You got to put him in those positions for him to be successful. I'm I'm totally with you, Justin. So Taylor, Justin had it as Nader, Diallo, Ferguson. Is that your order as well? So no, I just because based off what I've seen, and I I, I always have loved Tommy. Uh, yes, but I I will say this this season specifically has kind of tempered those um, tempered that. My my heart has been re- there's a spot in my heart replaced by SGA and um, he can't even bring himself. Yeah, to I say know, it. I know. <laughs> I just don't quite. Love it. Um, all that to say, I think Diallo. What, what Billy has shown is that he, for whatever reason, really favors Diallo, um, and we've seen that in the past. Like you said, Jacob, or sorry, Justin, and the example I was going to use was Nader last year. And that's just like his kind of a success story. Uh, I think they're very proud of what he's turned into this year. I think Diallo is that next project. And they love yeah. those yeah. projects, Presti and Billy both. And so I think what we're going to see is in the regular season, we're going to see uh, Diallo, uh, then Nader, then Ferguson. And then, like I said, we'll see Dre split time between the backup power forward minutes and the backup um, wing, the backup small forward minutes, and kind of eat into both of those. Um, and kind of, like I said, situational. But when playoffs come around, I would not be surprised. In fact, I think us fans will, even at that point, probably, as much as I hate to say this, be clamoring for Abdul Nader over Diallo. And hopefully we'll see Nader, Diallo, Ferguson, or some combination of, of that. So uh, I think Diallo heading into the regular, or the reseeding games, and then from there, um, hopefully Nader heading into the playoffs. I think he kind of fits what you're looking for coming off the bench heading into the playoffs. <laughs> So I want both of you guys to give me a player to watch for the Thunder. Um, don't obviously we're not going Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, not not the big names. Give me a player to watch that has the breakout potential. I'm gonna go with Lou Dort. Uh, I think 
there's honestly a lot of guys that I could put in this spot. But I think Lou Dort getting a more national stage. Again, we have to think that this whole like Lou Dort experiment is so such a small sample size. Uh, it was 16 games, like or 21 games, 21 games before the season was suspended in which they went 16 and five. And that's not a ton of time. Uh, however, I think what we've seen from him in the bubble so far has shown that, okay, this guy is not a fluke. So I think as all eyes are going to be on the NBA, as people are going to continue to learn about Lou Dort, I think they're going to see his offensive confidence that we've seen so far in the bubble, but he's going to have the opportunity to show what he's shown on the defensive end. And if he can continue to lock up some of those premier guards in the league, he's going to make a name for himself. So I love it. Taylor, who's your guy? I'm with you, Justin. But in my opinion, like when I was asking this question to the guys I was interviewing, I wanted them to go deep. Um, And like, so Lou Dort, that's kind of like the, gosh, gosh, dang it. Uh, I was (laughs) <laughs> sorry uh, go on um i i was wanting to go deep, deep. into the bench into the bench um i i, I didn't know lou dwart's kind of the low-hanging fruit right now and okay. i even think like darius basley's kind of my guy but i think that even that's a kind of low-hanging fruit i'm going with mike muscala he's okay. he's showing yeah. that he can really contribute spacing the floor like he does he can still battle with some of the bangs big uh, bang and battle with some of the bigs whoa, down low whoa, whoa. and uh, yeah we're talking about banging and uh Going deep. Uh, going deep. <laughs> and that's what Mike Muscala does, dang it. Musky. Musky. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I really love what he can bring. And I think having his ability to be able to space uh, the floor out, especially situationally, um, with cer- certain matchups in the playoffs, Mike Muscala is kind of my guy to watch. I think we could see him come in kind of like those Draymans, yeah, be a situational guy and uh, could really contribute to this team, in the, and especially in the playoffs. I got to like see it. some consistency out of him. I feel like throughout the season it was like he'd have a few good games in a row and it'd be like oh okay muskie's playing great and then he would just disappear fair so he's looked pretty good in the scrimmages so far i agree with that well maybe I, he'll get more burn if uh Nerlens keeps taking keeps naps. snapping <laughs> calm maybe, maybe muskie slipped Nerlens some like z or something yeah. and <laughs> just dropped an ambient in that. his drink i'm coming for that number one spot all right, gentlemen, the Thunder's eight seeding games, Jazz, Nuggets, Lakers, Grizzlies, Wizards, Suns, Heat, and Clippers. I need a record prediction. On on the record, record prediction okay. from both of you. I know we've gone long here, but Jacob, really quick, one word. Give me your, your sleeper player. Oh, God, I don't like doing this. I'm <laughs> That's going, why you skipped uh, it, dang it. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I'll go Darius Baisley. Okay. I think he's got a chance to not only play the four, but play the three. And he he looks really good. He looks really confident. To me, whenever you look at wings on the bench, he's the number one option right now. Fair. As a rookie, yeah. as a 20-year-old, yeah. he's the number one option. So, all right, the eight seeding games. Justin, what's your record prediction? Five and three. Oh, this... I like it, which gets them what seed in the Western Conference? <laughs> Who cares? Um... I care. Give me a prediction, damn it. <laughs> I think that gets them four. Okay, Taylor, what are you going with? Oh, man, I was just about to pull up the schedule. I think oh, I had geez. I had five and three um, as well, if I remember correctly. But um, I don't think we're going to win that one right off the back against the Lakers, <laughs> if we're being honest. But from there, Grizzlies, Wizards, Suns, I do think they can beat the Heat. Um, I mean, shoot, I'll go six and two. 
Shoot. Holy shit, I love it, Taylor. Clippers. What, what, what seed does that give them? Clippers and Lakers will be One. the two losses. I'll get them up into the fourth seed. Only four. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna go Ooh. three and five. Oh. Uh, since since Schroeder's not gonna be there. Oh damn. It. Uh, I and I I will still give them the four seed. <sighs> I didn't think about the, that. Well, see, three and five is where I was at pre scrimmages because I was worried about the chemistry not carrying over, and that concern is gone now. I mean, like watch, watching this team, the chemistry's there, the the ball's moving, they're playing as together as they were before the shutdown. So, yeah, I think not having Schroeder could hurt and could maybe cost them a game or two, but it's it just feels hard to bet against this team right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I just All right. I do worry some about Chris Paul and Gallo. Uh, but with that being said, it's scrimmages. I, I I'm talking it up to they just don't care, and uh, they'll be just fine come Saturday afternoon, two thirty p.m. Central Time. <laughs> so, let's say they they avoid the two LA teams in the first round. Uh, we all said the four seed. So let's assume that means they are playing the Utah Jazz. How far are the Thunder going in the playoffs? I, I've said this. Um, I've told other people this. I think I've said this on this podcast. I'm, I think they lose in the second round this, this year, um, probably in like five games in the second round, considering they'll probably be playing one of the, uh, what would it be, like the LA teams or the Rockets maybe. Uh, I guess we'll see. But anyways, I, I had them being probably the Jazz, shoot, even the Rockets, because I've, I've got to stick to my guns at this point. <laughs> um, and, I like it. Yeah, and, and winning and losing in the second round. Justin? I think if I had to bet on it, I would pick losing in the second round as well. But it would not surprise me to see them lose in the first round, and I don't think that would necessarily be – a failure. Right. I, uh, I agree. It would that. suck because like the never getting past the first round things gotten kind of old, uh, especially because this podcast has never gotten to cover a second round playoff series, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get bounced in the first, but I, I think, I think they win the first round. Awesome. I think I'm with you guys. I got them going in the second round as well. As we've ended every under the bubble interview, got to ask you guys i'm going to give you a disney character you tell me which thunder player matches that disney character okay justin you're first up all right okay scar (laughs) from the lion king scar why'd you have to start with scar that's a hard one um can i pretend i don't know who scar is no No. um (laughs) (laughs) you have kids we know you're lying (laughs) okay fine lion king is a masterpiece let's be honest so good um Scar, I'm going to go with Lou Dort. Oh, wow. I, I My Scar is 100% Deontay Burton. Deontay. <laughs> that's it. That is it. That's it. Deontay's too... Um, Scar's kind of thin. Oh, <laughs> fair. But Deontay is not happy right now. That man was pouting the entire time he's out there today. They tried to fist fight Dennis Schroeder yeah, yeah. Yeah, earlier in the season. All right, yes. Taylor, your turn. Who is Elsa of the Thunder? Oh, Elsa. I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go with uh, Darius Baisley. Kind of looks like he's skating on ice when he's out there on the court. Um, he's lighthearted, fun, um, but he does take, take things seriously. You can kind of see him get a little 
frustrated, but he has a lot of, when he's on the court, but he has a lot of talent, a lot of untapped talent, a lot of untapped potential. And uh, we see Elsa tap into her powers eventually, right? Ooh, That's Darius. There it is. I love it. Justin, your turn. I'm giving you Buzz Lightyear. Um, Buzz Lightyear is Steven Adams. Um, I think that there's just like this innocent lovability to him, but he also just seems like a stand-up guy. Like if somebody needed saving, I feel like Steven Adams would jump in and be the guy to do it. I like that. That's good. That's good. Taylor Aladdin. Oh goodness. Uh, the King of Thieves, the street rat. <laughs> I mean, I could say Abdul Nader, but <laughs> <laughs> I was literally thinking in my head, don't be a racist. Don't be a racist. No, uh, Aladdin. Somebody who kind of like flies. Um, I'm just going to give this one to Hami because he's riding that magic carpet up to the rim, baby. Nice. I was going to go Dennis Schroeder. See, Schroeder. Kind of rags to riches. Schroeder's uh, my lightning McQueen. Okay. Okay. I like that. Justin. We're going to go back to the Lion King. Who is Simba? Simba's Shay, baby. He, uh, he he's just can't wait his, to be king. Yes. He's working on his roar. Oh, I love it. He's, he's got a, Keep talking roar. to me. He's got a new mane. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> went off the rails oh, quickly. For like the fifth um, time this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor... Yeah, Another easy one. Who is the Mufasa? Mufasa. That is uh, Chris Paul to AT for obvious reasons. All right. Good talk, Russ. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Any more? Uh, who is the Mickey Mouse? Mm, Mickey stuff. Sam Presti. Go Chris Paul. Yeah. Sam Presti. That's yeah. solid. I, I was right. going to go Goofy for Basley. Because oh, yeah, goofy, that's, that's, that's it. That's ridiculous. I'm going to give you a player now, and you guys give me a Disney character. Okay. Andre Robertson. Oh, man. Uh, goodness. I'm going to say Woody. Why? Because, um, <laughs> because he doesn't have knees? Um, no. But because... Like, if you think about the, the later Woody movies, he has a bit of a redemption arc. Um, he feels like he's lost his place. as a t- I'm getting real deep here. I do have two children. Fair. But he, he feels like he's been we replaced. Deep he feels on this like podcast, he's, the toy, he's the toy that doesn't want to get played with anymore. But then he finds his purpose again. Yeah, true. He like loses his true. person in Andy, right? That, that's good. And But above, through that all, even though he's going through hard times, he keeps an optimistic attitude. That's straight. I like it. All right, one more Disney character because it's maybe my favorite Disney character <laughs> of all time. Who is the Mulan? Oh, man. Of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mulan, that's tough. The woman dressed up as a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you say it. Kyle Singler's not on the team. You can't choose him. <laughs> oh, man. Mulan, that is. I'm going to go. I have with... a long time either. I'm going to go with Gallo. Gallo comes in, he doesn't get the appreciation, but he gets the job done. He doesn't, uh, like, I feel like Gallo's one of the most underrated players in the NBA when you look at his production. I was just laughing at that comparison to Milan in the Disney universe because it's it's pretty fair. Maybe maybe he's just a woman hiding in plain sight, but he, he he doesn't get the respect he deserves. 
Justin's so deep on these, and Taylor's just like, <laughs> next question. Obvious reasons. Next question. <laughs> Abdul Nader, because he's from Egypt. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's a joke I'm going to make, but I'm not actually going to make it because I don't want to say it on the podcast. Smart. That's smart. No one's listening anymore anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the Under the Bubble podcast series we did. If you haven't listened to all the earlier episodes, man, I would so encourage you to go do it. Do it. We, we've had awesome, awesome, awesome guests. Covered all 22 teams in the bubble. Gentlemen, we've done it. We're at the completion. Officially, basketball is back. Quick programming note for you. We're going to drop our typical Friday podcast for you. After that... We are going to post game pods and every Monday morning, a full uncontested roundup podcast. So if there's a game on a Sunday, we're just going to do our typical Sunday night podcast and drop it for you Monday morning. Besides that, it's post game pods the rest of the way until the season ends, at which point we'll do a season review podcast and probably go back to a two or three day a week format. But at least for the next three to four weeks, minimum. We will be back to our typical regular schedule. It's so nice to kind of get back in the groove, guys. It's so nice to talk actual basketball. basketball. And on a Saturday, even better. Can't beat it. So make sure you guys check out betonline.ag. Check out dealdash.com. Go to boomtownhoops.com. Join the Discord channel. We're in there chatting all the time. It's freaking awesome. Especially with these games starting up. Do it. 100%. We will be back with you Friday. And the Thunder play Saturday, 2.30. The revenge game against the Utah Jazz. They don't want the smoke, boys. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Please wear your masks, wash your hands, socially distance, be smart, and enjoy some hoops. We will talk to you soon. See ya. member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.